Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy! Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm a pastor here. This week is our last week of our series, like she said, Minor Prophets, Major Messages. And throughout the Old Testament of the Bible, there are 12 minor league prophets, ones that didn't make the big leagues, uh, or prophets that just have less content. Uh, but these prophets and books in the Bible are generally less known, yet they still had these major messages that impacted the people in their time. And these messages they delivered can be ones that can impact your life today, especially when we study them and we understand them. We've covered Jonah and Hosea so far in this series, and they were kind of intense. They were. They just were intense. And as I said in my email this week, they were like a gut punch. Like, so if you showed up to church, sorry for the gut punch I gave you um, by talking about Jonah and Hosea. Jonah they showed us that we are to repent from our old ways and show mercy to others. And then Hosea showed us that there are consequences for our wrongs, but God still loves you and chases after you even in your unfaithfulness. They definitely weren't vanilla messages, so check them out if you missed one. I'm intentionally, though, shifting gears this week a bit from these spicy or chocolatey messages to something a bit different this week and looking at a prophet who gives us hope in God. Yet if we're real... I feel like our hope kind of goes on a trip like this. Like, let's say you're a kid going on a roller coaster. You're happy. You're excited about the roller coaster. It's going well. It's building. But then, but then something tanks. Something tanks, and it doesn't go as planned, and it's horrible. And then, then it's a waiting game. But it usually then builds back up to happiness and a smile of some sort at the end. And specifically in this video, I'm sure the kid's like, let's do that again, right? Is basically how all kids are with, with roller coasters. But the reason I, I show you this is I want to ask you, could anyone here right now use some hope today? Because right now, you're in the decline, or you're crashing, or you're in that waiting stage. Like, like you just feel beaten from, from work, or home, or life, or you feel like you're losing in relationships, or financially, or you feel like life is just not fun right now. It's not full of joy, or you're just not experiencing the peace or contentment you feel you should. For you, life might be going the opposite of what you want. Maybe it's derailing right now. Could any of you here right now use some hope? Maybe for you, I've prompted that thought like, yeah, I just recently got in a spot where I could use some hope and my hope is diminishing. Or maybe you felt stuck in a rut for a while and hope is at its lowest for you right now. Or maybe hope is already lost for you. Maybe you've lost hope. When I think of the potential for people struggling for hope, I think of the stuff that I know of right now happening for literal people within our church at this present moment. Like right now, there's a couple here that's been trying to conceive and they can't. There's a person here who's nervous about their health. There's a person here who's struggling in their marriage. There's a person here who's nervous about being able to pay the bills this week. There's a person here who doesn't feel loved and is alone. There's a person here who is mad at God and thinking about abandoning, abandoning their relationship with him. There's a person here who has more worry than they would like. 
There's a person here who's unhappy and thought life would be different at this point. Again, these are real situations for people within our church that I know of, and they're losing hope. If you're one of them, or if that's you, what do you do in these situations? What do you do? I guess for me, like, there have been some things that I've been praying about lately and hoping for lately. For one, like, one that comes to mind is just growth for our church. I want our church to grow and be obedient to God in everything we do. A, a healthy kid. I want a healthy kid, that's one of my prayers right now, who doesn't cry in the middle of the night for no reason at all. I think last night it was ten times, ten times in the middle of the night. I've been hoping that waking up, reading my Bible in the morning and working out and eating healthy and praying to God and just living obedient to Him each day, I've been hoping that it would just get easier to do, but a lot of it hasn't. I've been hoping to just be less anxious and deal with less worry and stress when situations come my way. These are things I pray about personally and I hope for right now, but I mainly do this after after they start to crumble or when I'm struggling with them. Like, I don't pray to not be tired when I'm excited and I'm about to go on vacation. I don't pray that. I don't pray for my kids to be healthy when everything is going good. I don't go to God as often when I have nothing to worry about. Rarely do I think about the things that I'm hoping for today, especially so when I'm not struggling with them. Would you agree? Like, is that similar for you? Like, you don't go to God with certain things unless you're struggling with them. If so, it usually means at one point, the things we are hoping for were not a worry for us at, at one point in our life. But now it is. And it seems the more I've aged, the more I've gotten older, the more I've realized almost all of life does this. It goes up and down, up. And down, kind of like a, like a heart rate like monitor or EKG or EKG, or like it goes one side to the other, one side to the other, like a pendulum here to there. Life is full of these types of curvatures where it's like we kind of go down and up, down and up, down and up. It's how life feels sometimes. We have these moments of highs, we have moments of lows, some bigger highs, some lower lows, but it's highs and lows, and the time in between is that waiting. Well, the reason I bring this up is that's what's going on with God's people at the time with the prophet Habakkuk. God's people have a series of squiggles like this, ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs with God. They're up and they're down with God. Essentially, throughout all the Old Testament, God's people are in those highs and lows, being obedient to him, but then starting to slip and stray and go to lows without him. And this is one of the common themes almost amongst all of the minor prophets, that God's people are consistently going through good and bad, in great shape and rough shape, in need of rescuing, and they're fine. So over and over again, God rescues them, brings them up, they get to a high point, and then all of a sudden, they start to do their own thing, and they stray away. Then God rescues them, and over and over again. And this repeats constantly. And this is what is going on in Habakkuk's time. But they are in a moment where they are specifically straying away from God, and Habakkuk, he cries out to God. He says this, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? 
but you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save me. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, and the justice has become perverted. And in this situation of destruction, it perplexes Habakkuk. That's your perplexes? It looks more like constipated, but okay, work on that, work on that. But he knew Israel, this thriving nation for God, full of God's blessings. He knew that, that at one point it was like that. But now in Habakkuk's time, it's not. Now it's corrupt. There's injustice. There's violence. And he's waiting for God to make it right. So God responds and he says, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. Okay, okay. I like the sound of that. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got like lightsabers, guns, ninjas. Well, you're God. Maybe it's like magic. (laughs) I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. Wait, what? We are hurting. You're going to use the Babylonians? The nastiest of nasty? My people's enemies? That, that, that's the worst idea. You, you even said it. These are cruel, violent people. That's, that's not fair. No, no, that's not right. How dare you? Will you, will you let them get away with this forever? They'll succeed forever in their heartless conquest? I will wait. I will wait for your response. I will go. I will, I will climb to my watchtower. I will stand my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Which we will see God does respond, Habakkuk. But before we see what he says, if you somehow miss what's kind of going on here so far, Habakkuk is dealing with evil, hurt, injustice, pain, and he's speaking on behalf of God's people. And in response, God says he is going to use an evil nation to make things right again. God says he is going to use the Babylonians to correct God's people. Now, it's important to take note here. God will, not, will use the evil done by people and nations, but he's not endorsing them. He's not endorsing the Babylonians. He's not endorsing there's ways. He's not for evil, but he will use evil that is created from sin in the world for good, to get people back on track or close to him and his ways. As I state that, though, and kind of give you a summary of what's, where we're at so far, I want you to think about you for a second. Is there a chance that you could be maybe going through something like that? Like, you're not close to God right now, and maybe hurt or evil, or a tragic moment that you are experiencing is to get you back on track or close to God again. Maybe you've done nothing wrong. You don't deserve what you are going through, but maybe God just wants your attention again because you've been distant from him. 
Maybe there's just evil and hurt within the world right now, and God is sad and mourning with you as you're going through it, but he's using what you are going through to try and get you to notice him. Have you or are you going through something like that? I know I have. I know the closest uh, that I'm personally closest to God, or at least I'm more acute to listening for him or his presence when I'm hurting versus when everything's good in my life. Like, I go to him way more often when I'm feeling the unjust or the unfair or the horrible things of the world. Like, like when I'm fearful of people who are sketchy and could potentially hurt me, that, that is one that freaks me out a bit. When I'm unsure about how to handle a sinister situation, I, I, I kind of go to God on that. When I'm nervous about that last emergency room visit we had, that bill that's coming and what it's going to cost us. When I'm not sure if my relationship with this person is good or not. To be 100% honest with you, the most recent event where I clung to God is when my, my second child was, was born. After a month, we had to take her to the children's hospital because she had a fever of 104. And they ran all the tests for like four days straight, and we got like no answers. I went to an extreme low. And that, that was probably like one of the lowest moments in the last year or so for me. But in that low time, or in all of my low times, I tend to go to God more. And that's what is being shown here in Habakkuk. Our life has these moments where life is good, and we're kind of like on these mountaintop highs, and then we're close to God during that. We're following his ways. Amazing things happen. But then life happens, right? Things slip. New things pop up. Schedules get busy. And we start to go down a bit. Unexpected life changes could even happen. God is maybe a lower priority. And we get to a low and we're just wondering, what is going on? Why am I dealing with this? And we start to experience something rough, something that maybe is of a natural consequence or, or God allowing something to happen to get our attention again. And when we're here in these lows, we're yelling, God, get us out. Get us out. God, you got my attention. I'm praying. I'm crying. I'm saddened. I'm waiting. Help. Have you been there before? Are you maybe there right now? Let's get back to Habakkuk and see what happens next, as that is where God's people were. It says this, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. He says he's going to address what Habakkuk has cried out for. He's going to address all that that's going on. He's saying, I'll give you a future vision for good. It's going to come. And if it seems slow, wait patiently, but it will come. I will make things right. Anyone here hate patience? Where are my, hate, my haters of patience? Okay, a few of you. I feel like I can be patient for like a little bit, but then I'm not. So I guess I'm not patient, right? Because <laughs> usually from there, I try to fast track things or take things into my own hands, and it often gets worse, and I have to wait even longer. It reminds me of something like this. I don't know if you've ever done this before. You're waiting in traffic. You're waiting, and then the, the lane next to you is like cruising by, but you're waiting, trying to be patient. You know your time's going to come. like, ah, no, right? 
Who's done this? Who's willing to fess up for this? None of you? I guess I'm the only impatient person here. All right. What God says to Habakkuk as he is waiting and being patient for things to be fixed, uh, he says, even with a horrible nation like Babylon attacking and defeating them, what God says is, he says, he will eventually take down Babylon. Babylon will be victorious over Israel, over God's people, but he says, I will then get rid of Babylon and stir my people back up. I will use this defeat to bring my people back to me. In which chapter 2 of a three-chapter book, God explains what he will do about Babylon. And for my Bible nerds in the room, I want to give you a little 30-second nerd out for you on what he says. Uh, God explains how he agrees Babylon is no good, and he gives five woes, or five basically things that distress God about Babylon. The first is injustice. God's like, I see Babylon has injustice. There's false security and wealth they do. The third is labor abuse and threats is what they do. Irresponsible leaders they have, and idolatry. I don't know about you, but the reason I think this was worth stating to you, some of those sound a little bit too close to home for me. I mean, we have injustice. We as Americans, we put security in wealth. We have labor abuse. We have irresponsible leaders. We have idolatry in our nation and world, right? We have a lot of that. It's a little too close to home. But I think that's the point it was written. God is showing that a lot of nations become Babylon. Israel, God's own people, what Habakkuk was originally complaining about, was becoming this way. And they went down this slope in which then God brings them back to God's way of living. And, and he does that through the defeat of Babylon. And it's this cycle over and over and over again. It happens for God's nation. It happens in our nations at times. And honestly, it happens in our own lives. And this is where we see God kind of addressing these low moments, defeats. Just because you're maybe in those low moments doesn't mean you've done bad things. But sometimes, as seen in Habakkuk, God wants to use our low moments to get us back to him. Maybe even to just have us grow stronger or closer to him. Because when we rely on him and work our way back up, We've built a deeper connection with God through that building. We've gone through things with God. We've worked with God. We've stuck with him. Because when we rely on him and work our way back up, we've built that deeper connection. This time, this, this down low time, whether we've done good or bad to be there, it's inevitable, right? We're going to experience that. In a world like ours, bad, unexpected things happen. It just happens. But this waiting and this building, the building to get back up, is a time where God wants to bring us closer to him. Sometimes it's extremely long. Sometimes it's short. But this is the time God wants us to draw near to him, to be patient, to wake us up for us to get into a deeper relationship with him. I was kind of vague about my children's hospital visit with my second child, Claire. Uh, but to be clear, it started with a few days at home. We just had this sick newborn at the time. She was only a month old, sleepless nights, but the fever kept getting worse each day. So we were told to go to the ER here in Fond du Lac uh, with our one-month-old. One month. And it was an awful experience. Them trying to get blood out of our one-month-old the urine, the, the swabs in this tiny, tiny child. I was like, no, no. 
But then we kept going through it because we had to. There were no answers. And seeing my child as this test tube, one-month-old child just wailing was the worst. And it just smacked me. And I just cried out to God during it. Like, but doing so, when I cried out to him, it didn't fix everything because I cried out to God. It didn't make it any better for me, really. But I had to sit through that frustration and I had someone with me. I sat in it with him. But that sitting in it brought me closer to God. If we go back to Habakkuk, when they were dealing with these, type of mo- these types of moments, he says, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. The righteous will live by their faithfulness. Faithfulness is defined as faithful or loyal regardless of circumstances. Faithful or loyal regardless of circumstance. Is that you? In times of hurt, pain, hopelessness, remaining faithful, turning to God's ways and sitting in them, as in remain in what you know is right in God's eyes, remain regardless of the circumstance. And this is where I think we as a culture, I think we struggle. We struggle in this. This is a bit of, of an opinion, which I always try to avoid from stage, but I feel as a culture, like we don't generally, generally remain or live by our faithfulness to God. We live by what we think or what we've seen or what we know works in our minds or what we see is trending. We are faithful to our gut feelings or our own wise thoughts instead of being faithful to living out the character of God and his ways and his direction given in the Bible. And I say that not in judgment, but in pulling from my own circumstances and experiences. When things get hard for me or I experience pushback or it's not working Instead of waiting, I very easily abandon it. We're recently uh, at my house. We started this little renovation project in my little basement. This is embarrassing for me to put like dirty pictures on, uh, up on stage. But we're doing our laundry room and trying to make it into a nicer laundry room. And it's messy and hard. It has a lot of plumbing stuff I have to do, moving of wires, all, all vents, tons of stuff that has to happen. And I started doing the flooring. There's a lot of cuts. There's a lot of things I have to cut around. And so it's been sitting like this for weeks. I just don't want to do it. I just don't. I don't want to be patient to it. I don't want to wait it out. And I've kind of just stopped for a while. So I've kind of abandoned it. Now, I get this is a bit of a superficial example and also a way you could help me out if you'd like. Just kidding. (laughs) Completely kidding. But the things of life, the more real things I struggle with that I have to have patience for or just have lost hope in, I tend to say, screw it. Leave it. And if not that, my faithfulness or my heart to wait on God's ways and doing it his ways, it stops. It stops. How about you? Like, Would you describe yourself as a faithful person? One who, in times of waiting or pain or frustration or in discomfort, just saying, screw it and just leave. Well, for Habakkuk, God says he'll take care of things that he cries out against, using something Habakkuk disagrees with and dislikes, but God says, be patient because it will come. 
In the last chapter of Habakkuk, Habakkuk responds to God with this. He says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. We see in Habakkuk, we see that he submits and he says, even though I still don't have what I want, even though I'm not getting what I want, nor agree with the way you are handling things, God, I will rejoice in your ways and plan for them to come. I will wait. In Habakkuk, we see although we may not like what's going on in our own lives and although we might not like waiting or what God is allowing to have happen to us, We trust that God will use it to draw us near to him and trust that he won't leave us in that situation or in that state forever. He might not redeem us or fix us in the way we want, but in our faithfulness, he will bring us back of what he sees as best for us in his eyes. If I go back to kind of this board concept, we see that like when we go down and we're in that down spot or in the lows, The longer I am in this low and kind of in that building process, learning, growing, communicating, trusting, relying on God, the more I'm doing that, the more I'm getting to know God, the more I'm with God during those times. Today, if I was to rate like my faith or my closeness to God on this scale, I would say I'm here right now. I'm here. I'm at, I'm at a top. I'm at a high point. And my lows these days, I've dealt with tough things, but my lows are more here. They don't go as low anymore. I still deal with a lot of the same stuff, but they don't go as low anymore because my life has been progressively getting closer to God. My life has been faithful to God. And no matter what hits me, it doesn't drop me to where I once was, even with some of the worst stuff, because my relationship with God has gone through so much. And I have more understanding and more trust in God. But I don't get that. I don't get this and this without going through what I went through, without the lows of yesterday or the lows of years ago waiting and relying on God during those times. Do you need a reminder of that? Do you need to be patient on God like Habakkuk, even when you dislike how he is handling things? Do you need to work on your faithfulness and patience? I know I do. And that's what I want to spend our last just five minutes on, talking about what we can do to get ourselves to be moved from being this kind of angry, hopeless person who dislikes what God has going on in our lives to a, bers- to a person who can, who can wait and be patient and trust and be faithful to God even when things aren't going our way. And I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to listen. Listen. Habakkuk, he started by venting. You heard him up here on stage, venting and speaking out to God, which is an amazing reminder that God is open to hearing our frustrations. He's open to hearing our laments and anger. But after all that is said, he needed to listen to get clarity on what's next. Although this is obvious, right? We're so fast-paced that many times we do all the talking. We never let God answer. When we go to him, We become a person like this. We just spout things off. 
We just First, talk. there was PlayStation, aka PS1. Then there's PS2, PS3, and now PS4. And that makes sense. You'd think after Xbox, there'd be Xbox 2. But no. And you just Next came keep Xbox on going. 360. Going, going, and going. And now, after 360, comes Xbox One. And on and on and on, right? Instead of talking nonstop, listen for a moment. Listen for God's response. Whether that maybe is through spending time in the Bible or through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit speaking to you, maybe at church or, or through a friend, whether it's something that comes to you in prayer, listen for God. Habakkuk says this. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Where's your watchtower? Where do you go to listen to God? Listen for God's answer. And how you can do that is being silent. Being silent sometimes. Spending time with God in communication with a two-way dialogue, not a one-way. Go to the Bible to hear what God is speaking to us through it. Have a routine or a place to go and push away your distractions. Listen, maybe, maybe in church, coming to church. Honestly, maybe today's message is a response from God that you needed. You're going through something right now. You're feeling hopeless. You're in a tough time because God wants to bring you back to him. He's trying to show you that. God is using maybe this message to tell you to return to him. Even in your anger, even in your frustration, even in your hardship, go to him. If that's you, go to God. Start praying and connecting and going to him more and listen. The second thing I think we can see that God tells Habakkuk to do is he says to write. Write. Has anyone ever made like a special trip to a store to buy like one particular thing and only that one thing? But instead of buying that one thing, you bought way more. Who's done this? Okay, lots of us. And not only that, though, you bought way more things. You forgot that specific thing. Okay, lots of us. I thought maybe that was just me. So for me, I use lists. Uh, I'm a list person. My schedule, my needs, my to-dos, my desires, my goals, my honeydews. In Habakkuk, God tells him to write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. He wants him to write it. Write about the future he has for him so it's plain and clear. There are times, like personally, I'm struggling with God. I'll pray about it and I'll experience like this peace or this, just this peace from him and I'll move on with my day from it, from that struggle or an anxiety moment that I was feeling. And then all of a sudden, days or weeks later, that same thing is back, but I don't remember what I did then. Well, instead of letting it bog you down, what if it was written? Something you could go to, this anchor that you kept maybe like on your phone that you go to when you go through those moments. What if you could have a collective written space where you could see God's faithfulness to you and your faithfulness to him in writing, not just your memory. Like, let's be real. Our memories are not good. We have bad memories. I want to play a little game with you. Let's see if you can remember this number sequence. Try it out. It number, which you need to remember. Eight, six, zero, two, nine, one, seven. Right, well, use your keypads to just put down the right number. And you can do the same thing with a pen or a remote control at home. Choose your option from the list on the screen. All right. 
And the answer is... Five seconds left. Who got it? Okay, nice. What women got it? What men? Okay, definitely more women. <laughs> Did any of you write it? Right? Well, you could have. You could have. What this shows, though, is A, you should write. <laughs> but B, men, you should definitely write. All right? But put God's revelations to you on paper. The future he has placed on your mind, write it out. Let it be motivation to you in tough times. Track and chart your faithfulness. Like, write down the ways you've seen God move in tough times. Track and see if it's going somewhere. Open it up and look at it to remind yourself of the journey, the growth, the improvements. Write things down because when you see how far you've come, you see the hope you can have. The last thing, the last thing is we need to wait. We need to wait. With my wife uh, in our, our first baby delivery, we've had two now, so I'm a pro at like being in the, the room when we're delivering a baby or whatever. But in our first, uh, or with our first child, we, we got to the hospital and, and, and like Sydney's water broke while we were there. And, and then we're talking to the doctors, expecting a baby in a few minutes. And I'm like, now what do we do? Wait. Seriously? Like, we've already been waiting nine months. It's been a long time. And Sydney's like, long time for you. It's been a long time for me. Well, we waited, though. We waited at the, well, for more things to happen. And Sydney started to get uncomfortable, like real uncomfortable, like no one wanted to be around. And in response to that, we had to wait some more. But I feel like the nurses, they have like things that are like supposed to help, but I think are literally like placebos, like sit on this peanut ball, that's going to help, or have your husband massage your back. Wait, what? Like, is that really going to help the baby come out? Like, eat ice chips or go for a walk away from this room. You just want us to leave is what I want to call it, like the nurses on. But the answer is wait. It's wait. You might feel like that's all you're getting or all you've been doing with God in your hardships or your answers, but sometimes you go through seasons of waiting. Waiting is a part of life. It's part of a faith journey. Like in the Bible, Moses, the Old Testament, Exodus, God's people were in slavery for 400 years. That was a long time. And when they were rescued, they went on a 40-year road trip, nonstop moving. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he had to wait 13 years before God started to use him from his conversion, from becoming a Christian. Sometimes we just have to wait. But when it comes to faith, waiting doesn't mean you have to do nothing or you do nothing. Sometimes that means you need to use that time to serve, to learn, to grow, to push yourself, to share with others, to encourage others, to build others up. Get closer to God. You're not trapped. You're not bogged down. You're in training to get you better. Throughout life, if you only go to God in those highs and lows... You miss a lot of time. You miss out on a lot of time with God. That's a small percentage of life if it's just the highs and lows. But if you go to God in the journey, in the waiting, in the silence, in the unknowns, it grows you and hopefully building you up for higher highs and lower lows. Habakkuk say, says, waiting and being faithful is what the righteous 
do. It says, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Where do you need to show through your waiting, through your lows, that you have faithfulness to God? Is it still pursuing him even in the good times, even when things aren't convenient? Do you still show up to church or life group or that time that you signed up to serve when you're in your lows? Are you encouraging others by sharing maybe your story? Are you seeing this as a training, not a prison or trap or devastating low moment? As I close us today, I'm going to pray that like Habakkuk, we can be honest with God, with our frustrations and hopeless times, with him. But once we've done that, that we can remain faithful. And while doing so, we listen, we write, and we wait. Will you pray with me as I close us? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for showing us that you want to be with us in our low moments. God, you want us to come close to you. So be with us in those low moments. Make yourself known to us in those low moments. Help us find that perseverance and wait. And God, I just pray that as we reflect on our lives that we go to you. Maybe right now is the first time we've acknowledged you in a long time. But God, we're coming to you and we're saying we want to follow you. We want to go to you. We want your direction, even in this complete hardship moment that we're going through. So God, guide us. Help us write. Help us wait. And help us look to you and listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.